All right, this uh, morning we are looking at the third commandment of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 7. By way of review, what have we learned so far in the first two commandments? What, what were the, the big issues, the theme issues? First commandment, we had no other gods before me. What do we say that that pointed to? That call for. The person is very personal. Okay. God to do that. It was directed at um, the nation of Israel and personally each and every one. Okay, so there's a, a, a covenantal aspect to that, and there's an individual aspect to that. Individually, it's all of the responsibility to make sure that collectively they're obeying the covenant. And that's true with all of these. Um, in the first commandment, though, we say that there's no other gods before me. What, what does that call us to do from a heart standpoint? Put him first. So that's calling for us to love God alone, right? To, from, a, from the heart. All of the commandments are characterized by not just a, a, a checklist, but that we love him and want to reflect him and, and learn more of his nature so that we are... Um, showing that. What about the second commandment? No um, graven carved images. What, what do we say that that pointed to? The idols in our own hearts. Okay. Our idol factories. Okay. And how not to do that. Okay. So the first one, have the right heart when you approach God. The second would, would be, well, if an idol is what? Anything that will worship more than God. Okay. And how do we come up with them? Just really good at it. We're just really good at it. The God of our imagination, right? So we have to come, approach God with the right heart, just Him, not colluded or, or, or polluted with other things. Number two, we've got to have the right God. Right? Not something we make up. Tim made a good point last um, last week on our drive home, of course, because we never talked before. We, we um, she said that when we talked about how how the carving an idol comes from the verb to hew, right, to, to carve out. Um, she said that you take basically something that's whole and you cut off things that you don't want to make something that you do. So when we're making a god of our imaginations. We're cutting off the perfections and the characteristics of God that we find offensive to make something in our own image. I thought it was a very well-stated um, thing. She should speak up more. Um, so we come to verse 7. Verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So why this third commandment? What's going on here? It's all this business about the name. It's a big deal here. What do you think? What's he getting at? What's in a name? His name is holy and we're taking I heard this taught a different way other than just saying his name in vain, but um, 
like when you take the name of the Lord upon yourself, saying you're his follower, he's your God, but then your actions show idolatry and your actions show differently, then you're taking that holy name upon you in vain because you can't be part of that. What did we learn? Yes. What did we learn about in, in, in Hebrew mindset in the Old Testament? The name of God. When things are named, what does that mean? I mean, is he just talking about a checklist of swear words that we can't use here? Some FCC violation thing that we might get into if we do public television. What is he talking about? What's what's the name thing? Um, it identifies a relationship that God has with um, his people. So like all through the Old Testament, he, uh, there's times where he names, um, well, like he, he gave Adam the responsibility of naming. Right. Right. Sure. Generally, when we're talking about names in the Bible and in, and in this culture, um, the name has a connotation of the essence of the thing or the person, the character of the thing or the person. So when we talk about God's name, we're not just talking about a series of letters and how we vocally pronounce them. We're talking about Him, who He is, His character, His personhood, right? Um, well, let's just look at the, the verse itself. The, the van, vanity. Don't use, you shall not uh, take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That language, again, a very strong negative. You shall not. Even in English, that's very strong. Hebrew, it's pretty strong. Literally, vain means something that is frivolous, insincere, thoughtless. Okay? It has a broad range and can designate anything that is unreal, unsubstantial, or worthless. So taking the name of the Lord in vain is imputing to him insincerity, irreverence, worthlessness. It's not just that we use you know, a series of letters, a magical word. Because God in Russian is different than it is in English. Right? I mean, we think of a bog. We think of a balmy place under, you know, with the, under marshes and stuff. Well, bog is the word for God in Russia. So the, there's, it's not just the sound of the letters. It's the concept behind Yahweh, the covenant God. And he reveals himself in all kinds of names in the Old Testament. Can you think of a few? I am. Okay, that's a big one. What else? In, uh, I don't, didn't David say, uh, or was it in Proverbs, the name of the Lord is a strong power, the righteous run into it in our Sure, you see that again and again, referring to the name. But it's not just the letters. It's who he is, right? Jehovah. Jehovah, several, several uh, 
ways of describing Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah. There's all kinds of different names that God reveals himself, different aspects. And you don't know him apart from how he reveals himself, and he reveals himself in his name. Um, this this uh, idea of, uh, of vanity, using it in vain, also uh, sometimes is used of idols um, to reflect deceitfulness or scorn or rashness. Um, don't take the Lord's name in vain. The, the, the take there, or per, some translations have pronounce in vain, it literally means to lift up like, a, like you would an oath in a legal proceeding. But the idea here is much broader than the justice system in Israel. It has in view all of life. All of life. So there's a negative. Don't use it and make God, portray God as worthless. But also, the positive is we're to revere and honor the name of God. What are some ways that we profane the name of God? What do you think? Okay, we're talking speech. Uh, we can certainly, uh, I mean, how many movies did your parents not let you go see because of, they just had too much cussing, right? That's taking the Lord's name in vain. Obviously, there, there is that in view. Is that all? So in the speech realm, also just making it common. Okay. Using it, but not referring to God in any hallowing way. We do it with bumper stickers. God is my co-pilot. Really? God is my therapist. God is my homeboy. Um, we text OMG. Yeah. We've even reduced it down to three letters of basically taking the name of the Lord in vain. Um, don't get me started on the merchandising of WWJD. But um, the, the, we do a lot of that, just very common making it common, worthless. Um, one, of, one of my uh, children recently said, I said, well, what's wrong? And, and this child <clears throat> said, everything. Well, if everything is wrong, then nothing is wrong because we have no definition. So I said, well, you must be great then. If everything is wrong, nothing is wrong. Be pointed, be, you know. God is very distinct in describing and revealing himself, and he does it through his names. And we can't really, I, I just want to know God, I don't want to get into all that theology stuff. Well, to know God is to, is to be engaged in theology. That's just the study of who he is. Um, but to, to, uh, to, to, to avoid a list of words and then do God is my co-pilot or whatever other nonsense you see on t-shirts and, 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 and bumper stickers these days is to diminish who he is. It's to use him in vain. It's to make him sound cheap and merchandisable. Uh, what's another one? Another one is um, the way that we live. If we don't show reverence in our actions and how we live accordingly, yet we're bearing the name of Christ, and that's uh, taking his name in vain. We're bearing his name, but we're doing it insincerely, frivolously. It could be... Um, that's about right. Legalism. 
like for, for us growing up, it was, um, well, I, I don't do that because I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. Well, what specifically, like what about the activity that I wasn't allowed to do was bad. So my friends just thought that I disagreed with them all the time or hated their choices. And really, we, it, the heart of the matter was never ever talked about. Mm -hmm. So could be um, just saying, well, I don't do that because I'm a Christian. That comes across <coughs> as... Um, well, it's just not clear. Like just being um, being sloppy with showing the world why you don't do certain things. So reducing the nature of God to a list of don't drink, don't dance, don't chew, don't whatever whatever your list is. Yeah. That's God. He says, don't do that, so I'm just not going to do that. Not really going into the heart of who he is, the, the personality that he is. And part of that too, people can, um, I've seen this a lot in my family, being so well-meaning and wanting to represent uh, to the world being Christians and this what it means and you should be one too. Just kind of um, this, not really a bullying attitude, but uh, trying so hard to represent God well that we overstep our bounds <coughs> and try to um, fix other people by mm. By imposing a, 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 a set of so saying things about God that rules. aren't necessarily untrue, but maybe just unclear, mm -hmm. not defined well, and trying to show, um, trying to draw the line for, for where 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 sin is, and just mm -hmm. like show people right from wrong in a in a way that isn't clear about what scripture mm -hmm. what scripture really says. So not having clear edges on who on on what. Scriptures maybe assuming too much, rather yeah. than what's revealed. Um, well, good. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, go you were gonna finish. Oh. Well, like on one issue, it could be um, drinking. The scripture just says you'll be filled with wine, you'll be filled with the spirit. Mm -hmm. That it's wrong to be drunk. It's clear in scripture. Mm -hmm. But so many Christians will draw the line at, well, you shouldn't even drink alcohol at all ever, just because it's scary and bad. And yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and imposing that on other believers and non-believers alike. And so um, making, I think, what's it called? When you, something that's not, I don't know, putting um, non-scriptural demands on somebody, things that scripture doesn't exactly specify, and then trying to hold them to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be legalism. Um, Well, I think I think we certainly put out the standard. I mean, we're all obligated, believer and unbeliever, to the Ten Commandments. Uh, we're all obligated to reflect the nature of God. So we're created to do whether you're a believer or unbeliever. You're under that obligation and duty. But I think you're right. We shouldn't be surprised when unbelievers don't. Uh, not something like, we can't be like holding them accountable or something. Can they don't Yeah. Well. I guess we just talk. Yeah, and and I think I think when you're when you're um, I don't think you give a pass to that to to sin, but um, you you don't go into it certainly with the same kind of accountability that you would another believer. Accountable as much as that is a. We're watching 
poster the other day, that that, that, that is a, a, a way to show them the law so that they can then see that they need grace. Mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe where you start differently with, a, with an yeah. unbeliever, whereas a believer knows that they've already received grace, and if they're in sin, they need to be held accountable to repent. Yeah, you know another another way this whole um, saying going beyond or, or, or not saying what the Bible says about God is, is when we limit who He is. We, we a lot of Christians will believe that God is wise and, and and powerful, but they won't go so far as to say He's all wise and all powerful. You know, one um, I I thought about last night was the. Uh, you know, pick your pick your bad thing, and then the response is, "Well, that's not his will that this happened. Uh, he's just as sad and surprised as you are." You know that kind of stuff. Uh, you see that a lot in the in the pop psychology Christianesque kind of nonsense that that's out there. That is, is reducing God, right? Reducing who He is to something that we can um, we can we can trade in. Uh, my uh, my daughter Audrey is is a little smaller, and uh, one of Emma's friends is just really tall for a seventh grader, and she she calls Audrey fun size, you know, because she comes up to like her hip or whatever. She's fun size. Well, I think a lot of times we try to make God fun size by say, by by not wrestling with the fact that He's in control of everything, everything good, bad, and indifferent. It's his world. Yeah. Oh, and that kind of goes with what I was going to say. Is I, th I think we hear a lot, my God wouldn't do that. Right. My God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Right. My God would make a way for if they never heard that they get to go to heaven anyway. Mm -hmm. And so then that's taking God's name in vain because that's, that's attributing something to God that you've just decided this is how God is going to be mm -hmm. instead of accepting the personality that he's revealed and who he really is. Right. Right. So you could say a reducing. It's the same thing as the second of, uh, commandment. It's just when we make up a God that's not who God is, it's, it's and then use his name we got to know who he is and reflect him with awe and reverence according to what he's revealed. Another thing that, that's kind of just creeped into our... We just keep going, yes. One another thing that's creeped into our language that I think is... is uh, it is something to be very careful. Well, just don't do it. Um, it, it God told me this. Um, you know, God, God showed me this. God, God led me here. God, did, you know. If if we're getting new revelation from God, we need to be writing it down because there's a 67th book that is yet to be written to the Bible. If he's speaking to us audibly, or if he's giving us new things, uh, we need to be very careful 
about how we talk about the spirit's illumination of what's already there. It gives the wrong impression that, you know, we've got some secret pipeline to God. We don't. We have the Bible. He does lead us. He does show us. He does speak to us, but it's in Scripture. And the Spirit illuminating yeah, what's there. Saying that God, um, the Father told you something. The Spirit is the one that illuminates God's Word. Right. So it's more like the Spirit has told you. But like you if you have a dream and you say, well, God told me in this dream, yeah. that kind of sounds like special revelation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, another thing, this may be personal to me. I do not want to impose this legalistic idea on anybody else. It just bugs the fire out of me when athletes do that thing that they do when the, the camera and the mic are there and they go, "I was first one to give," you know. What? What? Thank you. Thank you for for helping us win. What? What? Um, politicians, <laughs> you know, Republicans or the whatever. God's side, you know. What? What? Um, I, this bugs me. It just bugs me. I mean, I think in, in Joshua, the, the angel of the Lord expressed it very well when Joshua asked him, are you on our side or on the side of our enemies? And he said, neither. Neither. But here's what God's telling you to do. It just bugs me that we, that we trivialize in politics and in uh, the National Football League the things of God. It's it's a it's well anyway. That's a I'll tell you my pet peeve. Okay. Yeah, five children. So my pet peeve is uh, using God as a justification. Well, I prayed about it. Well, yeah, you told God what you wanted to do, (laughs) (laughs) and now you're telling me that it's okay because God didn't strike you dead. (laughs) 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 It's the theology of escape. Um, Yes, but but we but but don't we all do that though? God gave me peace about it. Yeah. <laughs> and well, son, he didn't give me peace, so you have a <laughs> <laughs> Just speaking as a parent. But we're also not saying that God's not active and that he doesn't work right. through prayer and work on our hearts yes. and work through the word and through the spirit. Absolutely. But that, that should be consistent with what the word says. It should be consistent with being accountable to others. What he's revealed, that's where we need to be not looking for um, voices rustling in the leaves, the still small voice that spoke to my heart at 3 a.m. after lots and lots of coffee um, and a taco. Um, <laughs> that's, just not, that's just not where, that's not where he is. Um, all right, I want to go quickly to, to, this, to this idea. We, we've talked a little bit about how the silliness that goes on. Jesus transforms this commandment, doesn't he? By what name did he call God? Father. Father. Um, and in calling him Father, he wasn't the first one to call God Father. There, there are references in the Old Testament where God is revealed as Father to Israel. But the name Father, as Jesus uses it, sums up all of the names of, the, of, of God in the Old Testament. All of them are wrapped up into that, into that name. Uh, in the same way, the name Jesus fulfills all of those names of God in the Old Testament. God says he will not share his glory with another, but he shares it with Christ. 
Jesus takes on the name of God in the New Testament. We're familiar with this, right? Turn to John 8, 58. Do you remember what he said to, we've mentioned already this morning, what he said to Moses. Moses says, who am I going to tell him sent me? You want me to go down there? Who am I going to tell him sent me? He says, tell him the I am sent you. Right? Jesus says this, John 8, in response to the Pharisees. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. What's their response to that? Stones. Why would they do that? I mean, he just says that I am. He's claiming to be God. They recognize what this is. And they would be right to stone him if it weren't true. Right? Do we... I mean, think about this. He comes to Israel to call them to repent and to return... To God? Or does he say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come to me who are thirsty. He takes on himself the sufficiency and the care of God in his preaching to Israel. His life and words are full of blasphemy unless he is truly the God of glory, come to live with us. And here's the amazing thing. He gives us his name. Christian. Yeah, well, the name of Jesus, right? He, he, he gives us his name. Peter preached there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's the name we bear. That's the name we take out into the world. That's the name that we call people to repent and bow down to because eventually, Paul says, every knee will bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the exclusion of God. We got a new God? No. You confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? We are baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We bear his name. Um... We're given the mission to proclaim his kingdom, his authority, his call to repentance, and faith in his finished work. We bear his name. Have you thought of it this way? Do you remember in Exodus 3, lo, those many moons ago, God reveals himself to Moses as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He binds himself covenantally to those three men by calling on their name and, and, and their eternal, this eternal binding to them. In the same way, in Christ, he's the God of Jeopardy. He's the God of Tom. He's the God of Jenny. He's the God of Hannah. You think of it that way. You're bound to him eternally in Christ. You bear his name. And so what does that do to us? Don't take it in vain. If we bear it irreverently, we break the third commandment. Right? Do we see that? 
If we bear it frivolously, we violate the third commandment. All of life is subject to this commandment. It's not just a list of forbidden curse words. Here's, here's a way, uh, another way, um, I want to kind of <clears throat> go through on, on how we can use God's name in vain. Failing to honor our own word. How often do we do this? I did it this morning. We'll start at nine. That's a promise I make. And I failed to live up to that. I was late. That minimizes the name of God I say I bear. Um... Why is that a big deal? Why is that part of um, fulfilling the third commandment? Because God, God's character is that he cannot lie and does not lie. So if we bear his name, we shouldn't lie. Isn't He's that part of living insincerely? I mean, anything, mm-hmm. yeah. anything we do, God yeah. is truth. So if we tell a lie, we're taking his name in vain. We're reflecting what he's not, and saying that we bear his name. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. He is um, honorable in how he makes his promises and fulfills them. And we lie about him when we don't do that. We take it in vain. Um, Jesus blasted the Pharisees for their idea that you can break any oath sworn by any by the temple, by this whatever... As long as you don't use the name Yahweh when you make your oath, then, then you're okay. You can get out of it. That was, that, was, uh, that was their idea. He blasted that. You can't keep God out of any transaction. He's always there. You bear his name, he's there. He's in it. Yes? So, in, in other words, there are sins of commission and sins of omission. There are sins that we commit mm-hmm. that are bad that we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Like we take his name in vain things that we should do. And then there's sins of omission, which is failing to honor. Right. We're supposed to honor, but we fail to do that. So we're, it's a sin of omission. Sure, sure. And, and, and if we say we're going to do something and don't do it, we do both. Right. <laughs> We've got a commission and omission. You, fulfill, you fail to fulfill your oath. We speak in his presence and involve him whether we mention his name or not. We bear his name. All promises, agreements are sacred and must be kept. So make promises cautiously. I do this with my kids. They'll say, Daddy, uh, when we get home, I want to do X. Can we, can we do X? I always say, maybe. We'll see. Because inevitably, when they don't get to do so-and-so and such-and-such and, such and whatever, usually involving the Xbox, um, you promised no, I didn't. What language did I use? I don't want to violate the third commandment. <laughs> Child, would you invite me to violate the third commandment? How are you? That should be an answer for all the questions. Yeah, I, I used to be a little bit like that. Um, I was 
sword with this guy. Maybe. And anytime you talk about, you know, something happening in the future, or I'm going to do this, and he'd always say, I wish you could hear it in his accent, but he'd say, we'll find out. And anytime somebody says, you know, this is what I'm going to do, yeah. Some people get out of it by saying, if the Lord wills. Lord willing, the crick don't rise. Um, so that happened this morning, and that's why we didn't start at 9 because the crick rose. The crick rose. Well, no, that's not why. That's not why we were late. Um, he's everywhere. Uh, Jesus told his disciples not to swear. The implication there, he says, let your yes be yes, your no be no. The implication there is that if the believers are dwelt by the Spirit of God, the believer's word should be as good as God's word. And there's no need for an extra oath. Right? And it's not just your, what you say, but it's just how you live. I mean, any sure. sin does that. Sure. And even unbelievers recognize that. They know God's really who He is, and you're supposed to be changed like a Christian should be, and what you're doing. Yeah. Obviously, God's not who he says he is. Right. We bear his name. Um, <clears throat> so I was thinking through this again uh, last night. I was kind of trying to get my head around what we're going to do this morning. And I was hoping to have more time. But um, So I ran into the kitchen because God spoke to me. And, um, and, and I said, Tay, I just, I just, something hit me. She's like, you know, she's cooking. It's wrapped attention. What? You know. No, she's... And um, I said, in fact, she was cooking what was back there. Um, to feel free to eat. She, she said, So that did not go over well. And, and it won't go over well after this class either. Um, so, um, so I'm, I'm thinking through, okay, the first three commandments here, right? Our Father. There's only one. Our Father. Right? There's no other Father. There's no other God before our Father. <clears throat> our Father in heaven. He's, he's not... Uh, a creature of our imagination. He's in heaven. Right? Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. The first three commandments are wrapped up in the Lord's Prayer. This should be on our hearts. This should be on our lips. This should be part of who we are as a community, honoring God in that He is one. He's the God who is, not the God of our imagination, and that He is holy. And we live as unto Him, one God who is holy. Um, any questions? It's 10 o'clock. Any questions? Any comments? I like, um, we always hear God is love, but I like in Exodus 34, 14, where um, God He's telling them that he's going to drive out the, all of the ites. And then in verse 14 it says, Where you shall uh, worship no other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous. Mm. A jealous God. You know, I'll often hear, God is jealous. Not too many songs written 
the coarse refrain, he is jealous, he is jealous, ooh, ooh, ooh. We don't hear that too many times. Um, I don't think I'm aware of any song. Is there a song? He's jealous for me, love like a something. He's jealous for me. Yeah, and then, and then it comes into me, right? It's, it's, he is jealous for me. We can pick apart any song because really, every, the, he's unique. At, at some point, it breaks down. Okay. I have not, in my generation, we were still doing Do Lord, Oh, Do Lord, Oh, Do Remember Me. So, and, and Michael W. Smith's with the mullet. Yeah. Well, I think I think somebody said it too that all of this that all of this is wrapped up in, in knowing God mm -hmm. because since His name represents His character, when we know Him, we know who He is. We know how He how He acts. Mm -hmm. You know, then we are less likely to take His name in vain because we because we know Him and we're in that active relationship with yeah. him. I mean, he, he is jealous for his glory, and we should be jealous for his glory. Mm -hmm. We should be, if if someone, or if we, make it more personal, if we recognize in our own life, ooh, I'm doing this, and this is inconsistent with glorifying God, we should then repent of that and be jealous for his glory. Mm -hmm. If he is... Um, you know, if he is a God of justice, we should love justice. Mm. We should not turn our eyes away from something that's hard to deal with just because, you know, um, it would be easier to turn away than to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think we take God's name in vain when we do anything that's opposite of the character of God. Mm -hmm. And we also create a God of our imagination when we do anything that's opposite the character of God. And we serve another God when we gravitate towards something other than He who He is revealed. All three, I think, are involved in the in that activity. Um, and, and and they're all interrelated. And we'll see as we go on. It's just they're all interrelated. And, and Paul even talks about this at the, in somewhere in his letters. Um, he, he talks about how, oh, it's in Ephesians, huh? Uh, where he says, uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. The tenth commandment loops right back up to the first commandment, right? They're all interconnected, and they all involve expressing the character of God and how the community um, rightly does. Adultery, idolatry, and murder, mm -hmm. idolatry, yeah. and stealing. I mean, it's all yeah. loving something else. More than right, God. right. Yes, ma'am. Um, back to uh, the taking, bearing the name of um, when my, my parents were married when I was 10, but I wasn't legally adopted until I was 18. Mm -hmm. And so although I took his name and, you know, it's on my school transcripts when it shouldn't have been and all that, and there was something so big and so different mm -hmm. about that day in court that mm -hmm. just sealed the deal. And, um, it's just, it was, it's just such an identification. Mm -hmm. Um, although I act, I treated him like my dad, he treated me like his daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, there was something so much like, like whenever there was an adoption party, and mm. um, it was like a re-celebration of the fact that I'm I'm part of this family, and this is what this relationship is. Mm. And there was something that just, 
just about the identification. And so when you, when, you know, when I rebel against my, when I rebelled against my dad and acted like, you know, he's not my father or this relationship means that maybe you're my father legally, but I'm not going to honor you like that. Mm -hmm. um, it just makes it that much more cutting mm -hmm. when you realize, you know, he, he chose, he went out of his way to legally adopt mm -hmm. me. He didn't have to. Mm -hmm. Things were just fine. But it's just that much more of a slap in the face when you go against it. And mm -hmm. so God, God calling people out and then giving his name to these people. Mm -hmm. um, like, something that's always struck me is um, the people, I don't know if it was, no, was it Hosea's wife and she named her son and daughter? He, God told Hosea to name those kids, uh, you are not my people. And it was like, lo Luhama and lo Ami, you are not my people and you Something, something that their name was, mm -hmm. you don't belong to me. Right. And then later on, he he, changed, he said, I'm going to change your name to my people. Mm -hmm. You are my people. Mm -hmm. And so there's just the identification of your relationship to God with the, that name and the power that, you know, only he has the power to change that name, mm -hmm. change that heart. Like you said, the name of the Lord is not just something that he's called by. It's total representation <coughs> of who he is, mm -hmm. the truth about who he is. And he only has power to change the truth about who a person is and call them out of that and change their name, change their being. Mm -hmm. There, There's, it's a, you said it's kind of a cutting thing, rebelling. There's great grace and, and um, a sense of identity in taking on the name. Uh, and there's also great with great power there's great responsibility there's great responsibility in bearing that name that, that I think uh, in our um, very cotton candy Christianity kind of culture we, we've, we've trivialized we have board games now with Jesus and stuff and Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and hopefully that shouldn't be said that I think there might be a Christian. Right. It should be obvious. Yeah. Well, we've also done it in marriage, which is symbolic of our relationship. I mean, women now don't take the names of their husband. Yeah. Or hyphenate them. Or hyphenate You know, I'm a, I'm a Muslim Christian. What? Uh, I'm a, I'm a, you know... I don't think you're poison. Um, it's the same kind of idea of grafting on inconsistent things. Either are game. Yes. So I want to know if you're going to write for number three. Uh, however, I will say I might put right fidelity. Mm -hmm. um, Stephen gave me a CD with a, with a rap song on it, and he talks about fidelity. Mm -hmm. and asks, well, is it only a marriage term, or is it more rightly defined as the reproduction of? Imagery, an mm -hmm. accurate reproduction of imagery. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned what you're doing. I hadn't thought of what I was going to write Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good. I think he gave it to you. Is that what you expect for? I'm trying to think how I'm going to do the fourth commandment with this, but anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I've got a week. Um, you can use it to maybe. To maybe? Okay. I'll try.
right? Maybe. Um, okay. Any other any other comments? Thank you guys for being here on time. As far as you know. Yeah. As far as I know. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Father, we're reminded again of the great calling that we have from you in Christ to bear the name well. And that we don't live unto ourselves, but we are bought with a price. It was a high price. To bear the name of Christ is a high calling. It takes attention to detail. It takes attention to our words and our actions. And we can't do it. So we thank you that as ambassadors in this world for your kingdom, you've equipped us with your spirit. And you've set our hearts to be renewed through your word so that, we, so that we can bear your name rightly. We thank you for the grace that we have in Christ so that when we do violate this commandment, he's fulfilled it on our behalf. And we trust him and we rest in him, striving as good sons and daughters to bear the name of our Father rightly. Lord, I pray that as we go into the next service that your name will be honored, revered, and proclaimed rightly. Pray for Philip that you fill his mouth with what you would speak to your church this morning. That you'd be with Chris as he leads us in rightly worshiping you the God who is, not the God of our imaginations. And as we take the bread and the cup this morning, we recognize it as a meal of the family, showing the name that we bear, the name of Christ, the name that gives us righteousness, that we don't deserve. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for adopting us as sons and daughters because of the finished work of your unique son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.